dollars. And so she became a realtor a year and a half ago. And what I love about Janet, she is like super efficient and persistent and positive. And they told her, you're not going to probably sell anything for a while. This is Nashville, very competitive. A lot of people moving in and out, but a lot of realtors. And they said, you probably won't sell anything for a while. You just keep doing this and hang in there. And 80-something percent, 85, 87 are going to quit. Um, and, it, and it was almost a year before she sold her first house. And then she's just been, after that first year, been killing it and, and been the, at the top to second person on her team getting recognitions and and um sold like 14 right something like that i don't know i'm not good with numbers since october. <laughs> since october yeah and so she went from nothing for a year to 14 since october and then i bring her to another state just to make things interesting so if you um if you weren't here this morning or maybe you hadn't woke up yet she she's only been here a week all right, we've lived here, a, she's lived here a week. I got here three weeks earlier, get a head start, and she was finishing some of real estate. So I've been here a month, and so we, we just moved into our house in, uh, in Broken Arrow, and we're excited about this next chapter. We really are. And, and serving pastors and churches and just helping however we can. And so I really want to just uh, thank uh, Owen and Jeff and, and you guys that, Whoever helped make the decision to ask us to come, uh, thank you. This is, I, I was telling somebody in line, um, I don't, we're not supposed to understand the sovereignty of God. And I don't want a God I can, can explain or understand completely. But I don't think it's uh, escaped, I don't think it was like a coincidence that God wanted us to be here with you this week, today. So, we're glad we're here. I really mean this when I say we, we didn't want to be anywhere else in the world than here this week. And so we're, we're, we're excited to uh, encourage you. We really want to. And your, your marriage is, is important not only to your family and to your church, but to the kingdom. It is a huge part of our convictions to advance the gospel and it's important to Oklahoma Baptist and so I want to say thank you on behalf of Oklahoma Baptist Convention Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma used to be called but Oklahoma Baptist for this is a flagship church in Oklahoma and your very generous uh, support of the cooperative program makes people like us possible that's we wouldn't be here if it weren't for that wouldn't be in the state even so thank you for that Okay, so we're just looking at two verses, and they are parallel verses. The first, Genesis 2.24, a man leaves his father and mother and bonds or cleaves with his wife, and they become one flesh. And then Jesus uh, quoted this verse in Mark 10, 7, says a man will leave his father and mother, the two will become one flesh, or your translation may say united. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So we've talked about the leaving, which is learning how to say no to people. 
in order to cleave and uh, or bond or unite, depending on whether it's Hebrew or Greek and, and which translation you use. But what it, what it means is, in the Hebrew anyway, the first time it's used is to pursue hard, to pursue hard. And so that's what we're going to flesh out for the remainder of our time. Don't have to explain that to high school students, do we? <laughs> a little less, uh, a little more awkward in middle school. You're not pursuing hard, you're pursuing awkwardly. And then high school gets a little less awkward. And then, you know, by college, you're just all out pursuit. Well, uh, at some point, you have enough birthdays and kids, the pursuit gets harder. And so we want to encourage you to keep pursuing and pursuing hard. So what does this look like in simple uh, mark terms? Uh, I, like, I like to put things that you will remember because I'm going to assume you're not going to carry around marriage conference notes um, and refer to them. So this leaving really is a big yes, I mean a big no, and then cleaving is a big yes. So we're going to talk about, that's going to be a little more of a fun word, right? As we, as we pursue each other, growing our marriage intentionally, there's a few things that we've learned along the way. Um, we hope you can learn from, and some of those, some of those, quite honestly, are mistakes that we have made or are still making. So, um, in your marriage, I don't know what God put here. He, in His sovereign design decided to put a spender with a saver and an introvert with an extrovert smooth crunchy super crunchy if it's available come on dark meat white meat Night owl, morning person, come on, God, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think about how awful it would be to be married to somebody like me. You know, if I married somebody like me, I would, it wouldn't last long. We're a lot more like now because over the years we've kind of, um, I don't want to say sharpened each other, more like dulled each other. <laughs> you know, you, you come in with those, sh you know, sharp contrasts and then just, but the neat thing is, like you said, in, you know, in God's design, so oftentimes we think, um, well, you know, are we happy in our marriage? Are we happy in our job? Are we happy with this? Are we happy with that? And years ago, um, it was pointed out to me that in Scripture, God's main focus is not that we be happy. His main focus is that we be holy. And oftentimes those differences that we have bring us closer to be more like him. So he, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, we'd be, we'd be all kinds of broke if it was just me making all the financial decisions by myself. But yeah, God's good at that, and we'd be bored if you made all the financial decisions, so we'd never do anything. So I mean, this was like, okay, so everybody's got that tension, just deal with it, all right? So, so how do you, I, I want to give you three ways, we want to give you three ways to pursue each other, 
three ways to say yes, and, and, and hopefully that'll help grow your marriage. One, one's a little obvious, but it's important, and that is to, to pray constantly as a direct quote, maybe even plagiarize. First Timothy 5, 17 says, pray constantly. And so there's your first, <laughs> there's your first tip, pray constantly. How does that affect your marriage? Well, honestly, that, uh, the, the intimacy uh, between you and the Lord, intimacy between you and your spouse are connected. And so how you do that and how often and where and when is going to be different. That's cool that they got yes. to those prayer cards. I yes. don't know if you've looked at them yet, but there's scripture on one side, and then on the other side is how you can pray for your spouse. And um, another one that's longer than that, if you're wanting more than that, uh, Family Life Ministries has, a, they have different cards. One of them is for your spouse, one of them is for your children, grandchildren, and it has probably... A dozen to 15 different but they're very specific uh, and so for years and years I've used that as a bookmark for my quiet time and that just reminds me because you know it's one thing to say Lord be with Mark today but when you read through some of these specifics it, it just helps it increases that intimacy but also uh, as Christians and especially as Christian marriages I mean we have a bullseye on our back and Satan would love to destroy us. So the more we pray for each other specifically, uh, the better. And then also when we're sharing with each other, if I know he's got something going on at work or if there's something that he's dealing with, then um, nowadays, you know, you can put an alert on your phone and it reminds me, okay, at 2 o'clock when my phone buzzes, I can just kind of throw up a little flare prayer, you know, and pray for him. But then also it reminds me of those things that are important to him, reminds him of those things that are important to me so we can ask about them later. So just when you're praying for someone, it increases, it increases that intimacy as well. Yeah, it's, it's, and I don't want you to overthink it because it's like, okay, yeah, I know, there's something for me to feel guilty about. So I remember being, a, anybody been into a, Prom, guys, any of you been to a Promise Keepers event? Anybody? Okay, it's all right. I, it, I've been to a couple of those, and I remember one when I was pastor. My last pastorate was in Conway, Arkansas. We were there 14 years, and uh, took a group to Razorback Stadium, and it was full of men. You know, I mean, they had us where they wanted us. Anything we, just, yeah, you know, we had it's like Holy Spirit, testosterone is all in there, shaking it up, and I, I just remember. You know, one guy, I don't, know, I don't even remember who it was, but he says, hey, show of hands, raise your hand if you will promise to pray with your wife every day. And every, every man in was like, yeah. And this is what I did. I'm pastor of this church, and I've got a bunch of men with me, but I'm thinking, I'm not praying with my wife every day the rest of my life. Now, you want to know, do I want to pray with my wife every day? Do I wish I prayed with my wife every day? Do I wish I was an awesome husband? Yeah, that's me. But am I going to actually pray with my wife every day? Probably not. So I wasn't mad about it. I was just like, I don't like to make promises I'm not going to keep. Here's what the Bible tells, all right? Not promise keepers. The Bible says pray constantly. What does that mean? I don't know. It means pray constantly. And so... This, this is a simple recipe for cleaving. Now, what does this look like in my home? Today, 
when we um, came, before we came here, or this afternoon, we had taken a nap. We, you know, we had lunch afterwards, but we, we, we are experiencing conference fatigue. Right? Because, I mean, we, you know, Wisconsin's not that close, and we just did a one, so we rarely do things this, but it just so happened these were close together. And so we just were like, you know, right before we left the room, we just prayed, stood, standing there, just prayed, Lord, give us strength for tonight. Help us to encourage these couples and help us not to say anything stupid. <laughs> so, anyway. I'm not sure he's going to answer that last one, but pray constantly sometimes means when your kids, you know, had a fit and goes to the room, pray right there. Just pray. Say a prayer. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. You don't have to take out a Beth Moore study and fill in blanks. I mean, you know, if you want to worship together, that's great, but, you know, just use the cards and pray, and then, uh, but, but set realistic goals. You can pray together. You should pray together. Because if you expect your marriage to grow without God's help, then you're kind of naive there. Because he is the, the only thing that can keep you together. If, if Mark and Janet dance can actually change your marriage, you don't need the gospel. But we can't. We can't change ourselves, much less someone else. We need Jesus. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. So let's talk to him. Second way to cleave is to communicate consistently. To, to communicate consistently. I already mentioned this verse, but it is... Um, Uh-oh. What am I doing? Maybe unconfessed sin coming to the surface. Oh, I knew it'd catch up eventually. My microphone's experiencing conference fatigue so um so he's, he's talking to the guys because guys are the leaders you're more responsible so if your marriage isn't growing if it's not striving if thriving you're more responsible than your wife so peter says husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers will not be hindered so we just talked about prayer yeah separate these two he says, so listen, listen to communicate, listen to your wife in an understanding way. Wives, listen to your husbands so that your prayer will not be hindered. So, so the second way to, to cleave, to pursue each other hard, it, is to communicate. But sometimes we learned, we wished we had a, read this book a long time ago. Have you read The Five Love Languages? If you haven't, you need to read that book. It, it actually transformed our marriage, probably, what, 10, 15? I don't even remember how long ago. But the book talks about how we each have specific love languages. We communicate love in different ways. And sometimes we're not speaking the same language, uh, where, you know, when we first got married, he got me some flowers. Roses from Tyler, my hometown, rose capital of the entire universe. Anyway, I'm thinking, you know, why, why would you waste money on this thing that's going to die, you know? I kind of miss the whole I love you in there. 
And that's, you know, that's just an example. But basically, the book describes that there's five different love languages, and um, one of them is gift-giving. And so for that person, those gifts become very important. So if your spouse, you know, gets really super excited about Christmas and birthdays, it's possible that that's their love language. But um, it doesn't have to be expensive. It just needs to be thought through. So if you've got them a Walmart gift card and they were offended, maybe that's why. Just kind of got to be personal. Yeah, I mean, thought through. That's not our love language either of us, no, gift no, giving. We like gifts, but you know. Mine is quality time. And it doesn't really matter what we do as long as we're doing it together. And But the key word is that he's engaged, not just that he's present physically, but that he's present mentally as well. <laughs> yeah, so for those guys that are going, oh no, why don't we write this down? I, I, I had no idea what quality time was, and so loving your, living with your wife in an understanding way, I just, when, and I still do this, I just had to ask, is this quality time? You know, I mean, does this, does this count? I mean, are we there? Are we not? You know, I don't know. I didn't know. Uh, the, the third one is acts of service, and I think sometimes this one gets overlooked because we might think, like, you know, if I've gotten dinner and he says, uh, let me get the dishes tonight or whatever, we may think, oh, well, you should. You should do your part, you know. <laughs> but but it, it's possible that even though that is true, he should do his part, that that may be his way of saying, I love you. And so it's just, it's hearing the I love you's in the every, everyday things. Uh, there's also physical touch, and this is a non-sexual touch. Yeah, but sexual touch is awesome, but this are for, these are the huggers, okay? This is Mark. This is, yeah, and I didn't know anything about love languages, but for me, um, I like to touch people, and and when I became a pastor in 1987, I would just hug everybody. And then, then all these famous evangelists started to fall out. I was like, well, I better not do that. So let me just, I had to kind of draw back. And, and, but, you know, that's how I show affection. And I just assume everybody else did too. But you got to read the people that are not, you know, they're not all that way. Janet's not that way. Yeah, I didn't grow up that way. My, um, we didn't really touch much in our family. So, uh, you know, I could say, well, you know, I don't do that. But I didn't. I learned how to be touchy. And at our house, we will never have two recliners to watch TV. we got to have one because we you know, practically sitting on top of each other. And that's important to him. When he's, home, when he's not home, I don't watch TV. But I watch TV with him when he's home because that's important to him. So um, it's learning to speak other people's um, other, your spouses and children, it could be, you know, it, it'll help you in other areas as well. But the last one is the words of affirmation, um, which that could be verbal, it could be in cards, texts can be very important to people with words of affirmation. But, I, you know, he, he drives me nuts. He speaks all of them fluently, which I say that drives me nuts. It makes me feel guilty because I don't think I speak any of them fluently. No. But he just, and I think the, the, there, it's like trying to do, he tries to do all of them, you know, to show me that he loves me. And so I try to recognize, okay, this is him saying I love you. 
Well, your memory's failed you because I remember, I remember the first, it, when we first got married, and I remember graphically I was reading something. Remember when they used to have these things called newspapers? Remember those? So I was reading a newspaper, and J Janet came in the room, and she was talking to me about something, and she said, are you listening to me? And I said, yes, I'm listening to you and reading the paper. <laughs> now, obviously, I was a moron and, uh, and realized that not just me, but there's not a man I've ever met that can do two things at one time, all right? Not one. But uh, I think that part of learning, part of growing is learning and, and learning what quality time was for her, what gift giving was for our daughter, who we thought was just greedy at first because, it's, you know, presents were so important. What'd you get me? What'd you get me? Yeah, it was just so important. But now we see if she gives every Christmas or birthday gift has been thought through, not just carefully, but almost obsessively and knowing that that's her love language helps us love her. Our sons was, uh, uh, you know, uh, words of affirmation, and so uh, verbal appreciation or honor or respect was important. So we try to, you know, just understanding way just means doesn't have to, you don't have to read a book to do that uh, or remember all that. Just just studying each other, realizing that my spouse, my kids, my parents, my friends are not like me, so they don't necessarily want what I want, and learning that. And so we're gonna. We're going to do a little uh, exercise. Don't, don't get sweaty. We're just going to turn towards each other. If, you know, pair up. Uh, look at each other. All right. Yeah. You got okay, so here's, here's what we're going to do. Just kind of thinking. You, your, your mind may have been thinking while we were talking. So he, you're going to fill in the blank. And girls... You get to go first. So you're going to fill in the blank. <laughs> I feel loved when you blank. I'm going to give you two minutes. Go. I feel loved when you blank. Now, guys, you might want to take notes. <laughs> Just saying. So go. Okay, guys, now it's your turn. I feel loved when you All right. Well, let's stop before you get in an argument, all right? <laughs> Glad you survived that. That, that, that. That's just a little prompt right there, and you can do that later on, and maybe it'll turn into something awesome, okay? Which leads to our last pursuit, and our favorite. At least I know it's mine. So this, we're going to call this romance. All right, and this is part of the pursuit, all right? So you, you've got the vertical pursuit, praying together and communicating together. You're just uh, doing that, but, but romancing regularly, romancing regularly. Um, and so this, this, is, this is where the yes becomes a yes, you know, yes. All right, so you got to do a bunch of this to get to this, right? Because, um, you know, everybody wants to go there. Well, here's where, here's where uh, conferences or speakers or whatever sometimes get a little 
unrealistic, all right? Because we, we don't want you to have a mediocre marriage where you're coasting, but at the same time, you don't want a fantasy marriage where, you know, in, in dating, you think, okay, I'm going to date somebody who always smells good, never goes to the bathroom, you know, there's always perfect. <laughs> so this is, this is not realistic. So, you know, I've been to those week, okay, like, this is where you talk about dating, and you date, you have a date every week, and then, and, and, we, that's a great goal, date every week. And, there, and there's people with two or three preschoolers out there going, <laughs> I just want to finish a sentence, you know? But, um, and so here's where goals need to be realistic and they need to be customized to your stage of life. You, we do not have the same, I mean, we, we date a lot better now than when we had preschoolers. But here, here's the excuses that I hear and have used the most uh, over the years based on season of life. You've got, um, you've got the, the preschoolers. I think is the hardest, normally, the hardest season to grow your marriage. So it, at this point, you're, you're just not going to have a lot of margin. You're not going to have a lot of energy. You're not going to probably have a lot of money. And everything's just harder. It's a wonderful time. Children are a gift from the Lord, but again, if, you're, if your expectations are unrealistic, then you're going to get discouraged. And still have those goals. Yeah, have goals, but in maybe for you, instead of in that season every week, maybe it's every other week is more realistic, right? So yeah, definitely have goals because part of what makes a date a date is that it's on your calendar on a date, right? So Make it happen, prioritize, organize, but just don't think that um, you have to compete. And when you don't make that goal, don't give up. But a lot of, a lot of couples come out hot pursuing each other, and then when they have kids, they stop dating altogether. Yeah, the emphasis on the pursuit. You know, so instead of the emphasis being on whatever goal it is, the emphasis is on pursue. So, you, you know, you're trying to do this because you're pursuing, and so those things are important to you, and you're prioritizing. Yeah. So wh what's a daily goal that's realistic? A daily goal is just to connect every day. And I told you this morning how, how we do that and how I coached, you know, my pastor from Nashville to do that. Just ask, just, just carve out your first best moments together whether it's after work, before work, at lunch, and just ask each other how you're doing and listen and connect every single day. Have a moment like that. Make a moment like that every day. And then if you can do it every week or every other week or once a month, whatever it is, have a goal together. Come up with a goal for how often you date. If your parents or your kids are present, it's not a date. All right? If there are people in your bed, that's defiled. You just defiled the bed, so kick them out. No parents, no kids, no friends, no body, okay? That's just my advice right there. So when you're, when you, the excuse we hear from parents of preschoolers is that, well, we, we can't afford to date, so that we're too broke to date. But for those that are raising children, now that they're in school and they're on teams and there's lots of travel and there's lots of busy, busy stuff, we're too busy to date. You know, first you're too broke, then you're too busy, then your kids become teenagers. And if you hadn't experienced that, when our daughter, our first child's daughter, she, she came 14, it was like a whole youth group moved into her body. 
I mean, it was like, where do these people come from? This is like, what? And yet, you know, those years are vulnerable as well because it's confusing. And, and, and that's where a lot, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of my friends and even family have, have separated or divorced during those times when they had teenagers at home. Because, not because they were broke, not because they were busy, but because they were bored. And there's nothing sadder than to see two born-again, spirit-filled Christians bored with each other. And so you gotta, you got to pursue hard in all those seasons. And even after the kids have left, emptiness season. Just keep pursuing. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves, pursues, bonds. It's very intentional with his wife. And they become one flesh. One flesh, I think you know what that means. If not, do not Google it, okay? Well, speaking of one flesh, um, part of that loving and understanding way, I'm going to talk to the ladies for a minute. Um, I think that Hollywood has lied to us and led us, as if you're younger, you may not have figured this out yet, <laughs> but sex is not 50-50. It's not as important to us as females. That's not the way God created us. And so it's not, well, when we are in the mood, you know, it's not 50-50. His needs are greater than yours, and our needs for relationship are greater than his. And through the last five years doing these, we've I've had you know, women ask, well, how often should we have sex? Basically, they're, what they're saying is, how often should I have to <laughs> have sex with them? And there's really two answers to that question. One of them is the biological answer. And, you know, we talked about saying no to others. And um, about, if you talk about the biology of the body, you probably need to have sex with them at least every 72 hours, just the way the body works. And I won't go into all those details, but I think for us as females, the best way for us to identify with that is hunger. The hungrier you get, the better food smells, the better food tastes. That's sort of like the sex drive with a man. The longer they go with, without it, you know, all that visual stimuli and all that. It just gets harder. And I'm not saying that, um, that if men have a, an issue with their eyes or their actions that it's any way our fault. It's not. But we can help make it easier on them to say no to others and say no to certain things just by being sexually active more than not. If that, I'm trying to, this, I usually have this conversation where there are not men in the room, so, so I'm trying to, Take you know, your time, baby, I have, I'm all good. But anyway, the I'll second. I'll be smoking here in a minute. <laughs> so that's the biological answer. The other answer, because we're not concerned with biology tonight, we're concerned with love. And that answer, I would just say to you ladies, well, how often should he have to listen to you when you want to talk to him? Because that's our greater need. And so, I mean, if you flip the, 
you know, reverse that, and, and he, you come home, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to tell you what happened. He's like, nope, I listened to you last night. Tonight's not your night. <laughs> right? So if this is a greater need, then we need to take that seriously as wives. And the hard, ugly truth is, if we don't, there are people, other women or even men out there that are willing to do that for us. So we need to take that seriously. And that is loving our spouse in an understanding way. We're not going to get it. But we just need to accept that this is the way God has created him. So needs aren't exactly the same there, uh, emotionally or physically. And, uh, you know, these, these are tough truths that um, I wish everybody knew the easy way prevention side of marriage investment is more is more fun and less expensive and less messy than the cure so there's a lot of people at the bottom of the cliff that go man I wish I had this conversation I wish somebody told me that that you know how for example uh, the, the the battle that men have in general is not one that is unique is not you didn't marry well I was going to say you didn't marry a pervert I don't know if you did or not but uh, <laughs> the fact is we you know we have to say and should because we believe in one man one woman for life same plan A in Genesis that we're reading about leaving and cleaving there's nothing uncomplicated about that there's nothing unclear in scripture about that one man one life but men uh, have never had more opportunities to get distracted than right now. Again, it's not an excuse to do something stupid. But we have to say no, no, no. Not most days, every day. No. And so we go home and get another no. It is difficult. And so my number one fan, Jan, is the the greatest protection for our, my purity. And it doesn't depend on her, but she is a part of God's plan to uh, not just grow our marriage, but to help me to grow. Because I want to be faithful all the way to the end. But I've seen a lot of people in my profession fail because they're basically pretending like they don't, are not tempted, like it's not a, a, a problem. And so guys... Uh, we're brothers. We can talk about these things. We should. We should have somebody that, that keeps us accountable. I've had the same accountability partner since 1982. His name's Paul Coleman. And uh, it's, so it started before I graduated from high school in 1983. And then we both became pastors in different cities. Now in the 80s, you didn't have cell phones yet, and long distance was very expensive. But um, I saw a bunch of my heroes falling, ministry heroes. I was like, man, we just got started. So we decided to just keep each other accountable, and we have called each other just about every week since then. And, um, and he's on my calendar because he's a priority. And so I've got Paul that I deal with the, uh, the more honest conversations 
because she doesn't need to be the, the, the one that hears, you know, you should see who I tried to avoid, or this, this was really a temptation. She didn't need to, you know, police me. Uh, I got him for that. And, and so that's my Aaron and, and my her, Paul and, and Janet. And I just hope that, that you know that you're sitting next to your greatest advocate. I'm talking to both of you. You're sitting next to your greatest advocate because other people will try to fill their primary needs, physical, emotional, or whatever. But nobody goes to bed one day um, perfectly healthy and then wakes up as a predator the next. It's a slow process to where people just start bonding with other people. And sometimes, oftentimes, it happens in the church. You know? Wherever there's men and women together, there's just going to be those kind of draws. And so to protect your marriage, you've got to say no a lot, and you've got to say yes a lot. You've got to go on the, po- the positive, proactive side and pursue hard. Go after it. Go after the romance and the communication and the prayer. That's the yes. Just keep working on the basics, just like Ray Allen. And then the no's. Nobody's ever going to like it when you say no. But if you're going to have yeses, you've got to have noes, right? You've got to have noes. And so if somebody's having marriage trouble at your work or in your church, somebody's having marriage trouble and they're not your gender, you find them the help they need. Don't be the help they need. And I say that to pastors too. Very first, one of the first things we did this applies across the board, but was a minister, it, was a, it was an event just like this, about this size, actually. The first marriage event we did was about 60 ministry couples in San Diego. And we, did, we put up a Google Voice number so they could text in questions anonymously. And tell them about that, about the, the question. Well, somebody asked me, he said, this question is for Janet. And he said, in your honest opinion, and honest was in all caps, in your honest opinion, how would you feel if Mark was counseling a woman, uh, you know, over and over, and now she's calling and texting him at home? And I said, well, in my honest opinion, I would be mad as heck, <laughs> and I'm going to let Mark tell you why, <laughs> and I just kind of pass the ball to him. But, um, you know, we're, as women, as you know, the saying goes, it takes two to tango. So we're, you know, we, we have to be careful, too, um, you know, how we um, share with other men and become friends and if we share emotional or any of that kind of thing. So we have to be on guard as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, don't, want to, don't want to scare you too much, but I do want to scare you a little bit because I think healthy fear is, is good. As you, as you grow your marriage, know that, uh, as I mentioned the verse uh, this morning, John 10, 10, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come to give you life. The expectations we've talked about, the leaving and cleaving and managing your home this morning are, are things that God's put out there that are, are realistic because he's not setting us up for failure. He's not. But you can't do them without his strength. And so I'd like for us to close our time here in a word of prayer. And if you could just hold, your hand, hold, hold the hand of your, your husband or wife I'd like, to, I'd like to just pray for you. 
as you pray for each other. And um, I want to give you an opportunity to, and this might be a little awkward. Um, I know you're other people there, but just a, a briefly pray for each other right now. And if you're not comfortable praying out loud, pray silently for each other. But I'm going to give you a moment. Um, but you could just ask God to strengthen and maybe for some of you even save your marriage. Lord, what you've joined together, we pray that no man, no woman would separate. No child would separate. No parent, no friend, not even ourselves. And we, we, we place ourselves at a vulnerable place of, of we're powerless without you. Um, and yet, we know that even though without you we can do nothing with you, we can do anything. And so we're asking, first of all, for grace and forgiveness from you, from each other, for our failures, which have, may have been exposed today, just through your word, through some teaching. We pray for forgiveness. As you forgave us, we forgive one another. We ask for not only grace for our mistakes, but for strength. Strengthen us as we pursue you and as we pursue each other. Help us to love each other in an understanding way so that those prayers won't be hindered. Help us to pursue each other romantically and to keep fighting and pursuing hard to, 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 to grow our marriage in a society where it seems more difficult than ever to do it. Thank you for this church, for Emmaus, and for this staff, for Owen, and for Jeff, and all the, 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 the ministry staff, and the deacon leaders, and all those that are leaning in to strengthen and save marriages here in Oklahoma City. Lord, we need you. We thank you for the gift that we're holding hands with, and we entrust you with our marriage now in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.